Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful for life, for a portion of health. We're thankful that you thought enough of us to redeem us. We thank you for bringing us to this place, this day, at this time. And now, God, we say, speak, Lord. Say what you would have us to hear. Direct us. Spirit of the living God, lead and guide us into all truth. You promised to do that. No half-truths, no personal truths, not my truth. What is my truth? You are the truth. Give us a revelation today that would transform our lives. We need you. We desire you. We're hungry, we're thirsty, and Lord, you promise whoever hungers and thirsts for righteousness that we shall be filled. So fill us up today, fill us up to overflowing so that others, passers-by, might get a glimpse of your righteousness. God, we're ready, we're prepared. We've come to sit at your feet. Do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. And by him, we give thanks. And together we say, amen. Come on, say it again. Amen. Our text today, the word is one word, peace. Somebody say it with your mouth, peace. It is one of the more elusive things to find in this generation. When Jesus got up from the grave, and his disciples were despondent and afraid and disappointed and hiding. And he entered into a room where they were. He said, peace be unto you. Out of all the things that he could have said, he could have said, I'm alive. He could have said, don't worry, I'm here. He said, peace be unto you because he knew that they were unsettled he knew their situation, and he said, peace. That tells you the importance and the value of peace in the kingdom of God. When our peace is disturbed, it's his will that peace would be still. When they were out on the ship, there was a disturbance of peace. They saw the wind and the waves. He saw peace that was volatile. And he said, peace, be still. There are times in my life where I know that I need to hold my peace. I used to think of holding my peace as synonymous with holding my tongue. It's more than that. In, in preparing to minister the word today, God let me know, holding your peace is to hold on to your peace. The root cause of fear and anxiety and all of those things, it comes to disturb your peace. The CDC says that the lingering effects and the next wave of the pandemic is anxiety and depression. And it disproportionately affects young people. 
Like in your most carefree years, you would think life would be a bowl of cherries. But what they don't have is somebody say it, peace. And because of the isolation that we all went through together, the whole world, the world stopped. And all we were focused on, on the news, are places where there were so many dead that they couldn't be buried. And the fear and anxiety that it might come and touch us. You know what that disturbs? Peace. So let's go, let's go to the text. And we might not, it might take a couple weeks to get through this. God let me know this is a very important topic for all of us. You see the, the United Auto Workers striking. And in Hollywood, we were in California in June and picket lines everywhere. Do you know how much stress that puts on the people who are fighting for a cause but they're not getting paid? And imagine if you're a family who, not because of bad financial management, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're holding up a sign but you're thinking, I only have so much left in the bank. That creates stress. It triggers anxiety. It triggers anxiety. So we need peace. John 16 and 33. Would you please put that verse up? It says, these things. I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. The first question you ought to ask is, what are these things? He said, that in me, you may have what? Where is peace? In him. In the world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. The Bible is right when it says all the promises of God are yes and amen. And typically, the way we interpret that is, it's always positive. What it means is they're sure it's going to happen. In the world, you will have tribulation. Who takes that as positive? Who embraces tribulation? Who wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to face my tribulation? That gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's hard. Jesus is saying, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. The world is hard. But in me, there's an alternative. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. He knows this isn't something that we will embrace. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Have you overcome the world? This is rhetorical. Don't raise your hands. Don't clap your hands. I'm just trying to work, out, work this thing out. Hey, I'm, it's good to see the young guys. Can you wave? I want to acknowledge the young men, my little homies. God bless you. They're going to have their own little service so they can speak in their own language. You notice I said little homies. What are you talking about? That's what they relate to. God wants us to be all things to all people that we might win some. So let me get back to this now that I acknowledge my little homies. <laughs> he says, in me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Why is that such a certainty? Why is there tribulation in the world? Well, the world that we live in is a fallen place. And from the time of deception and disobedience 
corruption entered in. Corruption entered into the world. And the evidence of corruption is in my body. Is in my body. When I was 20 years old, I felt immortal. I could run fast. I never got tired, seemingly. I could jump high. I could do things. I could cross Philip up until his ankles were broke. <laughs> it was, you felt immortal. But then you go through the decades and things change. That was never God's intention. When God formed Adam from the dust, he formed him and then he, he breathed life into him and he became a living soul. There was no sickness, there was no corruption, there was no sin. The garden was perfect fellowship with God. And then something happened. A serpent who had not yet been cursed to be on its belly and eat dust was upright. So imagine a serpent upright and goes and beguiles Eve. And Adam falls into the trap Brothers, wave your hands. That same enemy in 2023 has traps for you and me. The world calls them thirst traps. Y'all know what a thirst trap is? Some say, yeah, if you don't see me after service. <laughs> I know all my little homies know what it is. The point is, there are different ways that the enemy still tries to beguile us today. And the way he got to them was promising them, was it a promise? By deceiving them into thinking that you know what God told you? That you can't eat from this? Now, I don't know how many trees were in the garden, but what I do know, because it's recorded in the Word, that every one of them were pleasant to look at and good for food. You got everything you need. Everything you need. But you want something else. That's one of the things that will disturb your peace. When you, you got everything that pertains to life and godliness, but you want something else. Can I tell you something? It wasn't long ago. I was in my home and I was making a sandwich, literally making a sandwich. You see those kids with a quarter of a banana? I'm making a sandwich and I'm thinking about something financial and I'm planning something in my mind and it, it actually caused me some stress. It wasn't even real, it wasn't happening because right now I have what I need in front of me and the Spirit of God convicted me in that moment. And I began to give thanks. I promise you this is true in the presence of God. I said, God, you always provide for me. Thank you for providing for me. I don't have one but two sandwiches. You have given me this. I'm telling you. And I began to worship. I went from stress and worrying about something that wasn't even here yet. Why am I telling you that? Because oftentimes the, the peace around us that's disturbed begins in our minds. That's why Isaiah said, thou will keep them in perfect peace. All whose minds are stayed on you. The problem is our minds get interrupted by the beguiler. And he says, has God said this? God knows. He knows, he also knows that you're a liar. And I know that you're a liar. There are things that we need to shut off. And to prepare for this message, I just typed in 
and you could do the same. What is the root cause of anxiety? The root cause. It begins first in here. It's when we're thinking about stuff. And most of the stuff we're thinking about hasn't happened, isn't real, probably won't happen, but it causes anxiety. Ha have you seen anxiety up close and personal? Up close and personal. It is amazing how it manifests symptoms. I've been in the hospital with people who are afraid that they're going to die their heart rate, and then they get tested constants, nothing wrong with them. I know multiple examples of that. It is amazing how that happens. But it's very real. It's not imagined. It's real. Where does that come from? Is that a physiological effect? Or is it something different? If it was physiological, don't you think when an EKG was done, it would show abnorm abnormalities? It's normal. And it's like, for the person and for those who are there with them, it's like, that can't be real. I know what I see. Do you think we came to the emergency room for nothing? I've talked to people and counseled people where that kind of thing happens. The point is, it's real. When it is triggered, it's like an allergic response. You know, we have things in our bodies called eosinophils, leukotrienes. These are things that cause an inflammatory response. Once they're out, there's nothing you can do except take a medication that blocks the cells so they have nowhere to go. Once those things that stress us are out, there's nothing you can do except pray, right? It says, be careful for nothing. But in all things, be anxious for nothing with prayer and supplication. Now, what you're trying to do is get it back down. But what can we do to stop it, to prevent it, to do something before it gets started? Because once it goes, it's going, it grips you. It's like fear. That's why the Bible says fear torments. One of the causes of anxiety is fear. You fear something. You get a bad report. You get bad news. Or something happens that's unexpected. It happens to all of us. There is nobody in this room who hasn't experienced anxiety. It may not be a common occurrence, it may not be chronic, but every one of us has had acute anxiety. Something happens and the blood is rushing. Something happens. Is there anyone in here who's never had anxiety in their life? From the youngest to the oldest. Are you saying you never had it? No, she raising her hand at the wrong time. I'm like, okay, that's good, you're young. Keep living, baby. <laughs> It's amazing. It is amazing. So what can we do in the body of Christ? Like, in the world, you have tribulation. In me, you have peace. How do we together, Elder Ardelia, hold on to that peace? How do we together live out the promises in the Old Testament that none of these things that are on the world will be on you. How do we do that? Because we're in the world, but we're not of the world. In the world, you have tribulation. We're in the world. Come on, finish it with me. Come on, say, I'm not from here. I'm a citizen of a kingdom where everything is right. Everything is right. The stuff that's wrong in the world, you won't find it in me because I have a king who has authority over all of this stuff. And you know what? He gave me authority. Let's look at a practical example. I told you I didn't want today to be about preaching. I wanted to be about ministry. Can you run the videotape? So we're here at uh, Chew and Tell Inn and um 
we had prayer this morning we came out the team was large today we had all the corners covered as i was standing here at the table someone literally came around and sped into this area right here and stopped right there with their car she had her window down her face was covered in tears was totally wet and she opened the door and literally just collapsed on me and started weeping she was weeping uncontrollably she said i just need prayer i just need prayer so i guided her back to her car had her sit down take the keys out the car held her hand and we began to pray and she shared with me a powerful story of how she was going through terrible grief that was a theme today with people who were grieving um how she had lost her her mom and her her brother and some other people she had lost everything in a fire and we just began to pray that god would cover her heart of course i asked her if she was already a believer had given her life to christ and she said yes she just said i'm just so torn up about everything that's happened and then as we continued to pray together i shared with her that it wasn't a mistake that she was here we pray for everybody throughout the week in the morning and we know that the people we meet that are they are dang, they're sent by god um but also not only a mistake that she came in touch with me because i have been grieving my, grief doesn't leave it, it, it comes in cycles and waves but it's been very challenging lately the grief over my parents and i believe that god sent us to each other today so that i could encourage her heart and she encouraged my heart by knowing that jesus is still real and that even through the grief that he's a comforter and that believers will connect and she said you know what i am a believer my husband is my son loves god she said but i, I just we just don't have a church home and so of course i invited her uh, to come and to be a part of our family and so i just want you guys to know not only are the people who are coming out going through things you know we're not out here because we're perfect and everything in our life is perfect but you still need to come and be a witness and the people who pull up they're not always people who don't know jesus sometimes they're saints who are just wounded but we need you here god decreed for us to be here and you are going to be a blessing to somebody else and somebody else is going to no doubt be a blessing to you peace last sunday God had already put the word in my spirit, and I got that video from Janine. What's the last word she said? And I knew, God, you want to use this for something. There are a couple of things that I want to point out. First of all, they had never met each other. They're strangers. The person saw the prayer station. They needed prayer. They come weeping. God has two of his children in his kingdom that never met who comfort each other. They had something to exchange. One of the ways in the body of Christ that we keep our peace is simply by walking in obedience. Because you'll show up somewhere that God has prepared something for you and he's prepared some, he, God knows I got two children who are experiencing the same thing. And in isolation, in isolation, they're, they're ruminating. But when they come together, they can release something on each other. And her tears went to joy. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. The worst thing that can happen when I'm feeling stressed or anxious is to be in isolation. That's what, because then the enemy He'll stop whispering. He'll speak louder then. I had something happen. I mentioned it to the men yesterday. To me on Tuesday. First Bible study back in here. I got a text message from a, a longtime colleague. And he was telling me that a person that we knew and loved had died. And he's young, he has a family. Um, he's what some would call middle-aged, but young. If I showed you his picture, you would think he was 40. Um, very, very 
wholesome looking guy, has everything. Beautiful family, son, daughter, wife, who's devoted, money, lives in the right neighborhood, has all of that. So I was sad. I stopped my car and I called my support and let her know. She didn't even know the person, but when I'm in pain, I have someone I could go to. It, it shocked me and I knew I had to come for Bible study, and I, but I asked why, what happened? Was he sick? No, he wasn't sick. Someone saw him recently and he looked good. I went and looked at his LinkedIn profile. Handsome, he's on a big stage, talking to thousands. Everything looks well. I looked at every picture I could find on social media. Always smiling, looking good. Someone finally called me said, have you heard? Yes. Do you know how he died? I said, no. He said, well, she said, I'm going to tell you, but his wife is not taking calls because she's so distraught. And I wanted to know how could I support his widow? How could I support the family? His son is his junior. And I remember for years he would talk about his son. In fact, about 25 years ago, when I was still sitting in the back and I was invisible, in New Covenant, when every seat was filled, I invited him because we worked together and I loved this church. I said, there's a, the greatest teacher you've ever seen is on 7500 Germantown Avenue. Bring your family. They all came in and for whatever reason, they never came back. He said, because where I used to go to church in LA, the choir would walk in with robes and it's so many of them and you really didn't have a choir. I'm like, we have one, they just weren't here today. So now I'm trying to explain, I'm trying to explain, but he never came back. And so the person told me what happened. He said, he came home from work. I, he probably didn't even go home. He got in his car, drove himself to a park, walked into the woods, took out his gun, and ended his life. And I said, why would he do that? Didn't he know that he was loved? Doesn't he know that his family needs him? After all those years, they probably been married high 20s, maybe 30 years. What is she now thinking? sleeping next to him and not discerning that there was something there. How, how do you feel? I talked to another person. We're all in a group chat grieving together and we were talking and I said, why did he do it? And she said, I need to know that because I feel like a bad friend. And now everybody is feeling like, why shouldn't I know? He lives in Boston now. He isn't even here. Some of us haven't seen him in a year, in years, but it still had an impact. There was isolation. He didn't talk even to his wife. And you can't make sense out of nonsense. The reason God put us together as a body and Jesus as the head is so that the way we fulfill the law of Christ is bearing one another's burden. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Peace be unto you. Peace. Whatever is disturbing your peace, I speak peace to you. It was a tragic ending. And the more I think about it, I said, whatever he couldn't face, whatever it was, it isn't over because he leaves a son who bears his name, who looks like him, a daughter who adores him, a wife who was one with him, and now she doesn't even want to talk to people. I understand because of her pain. What does that do to the children? The point is God created us to be connected. And so when I disconnect, I'm disconnected. When you disconnect, it adds to the opportunity for the beguiler. Tim, Tim, 
It adds to the opportunity for the beguiler to beguile us. In this house, not going to happen. We don't, we will not stand for that. We are discerning people. God, make us sensitive to pain. Help us know when there's someone. God, let us walk in such obedience that we'll be like Janine, where strangers can come and be ministered to. God, let this be such a house of prayer that we cover one another. Peace, peace be unto you. May you never have thoughts that linger, that cause your peace to be disturbed. May you receive the other side of the promise. He said, in me, in me, you have peace. In him, what he's saying is, I can offer you something that the world can't. In the world, what the world offers is tribulation. But what I give is peace. And the peace that I give is not as the world gives. What he's saying is, even the peace that the world gives is conditional. It's conditional on you doing what the world says. Because you know who is the architect of the systems of this world? The devil. We're against the devil. We're not with him. Tell somebody next to you, peace. 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 I want to, I want to share one last scripture that will help us to understand. And today, somebody you haven't, somebody who you love, who you haven't heard from in a while, reach out to them. Reach out to them. Even though I haven't spoken to this brother in a while, I wish God would have prompted me to call him just to reach out. Do you know how many times in the course of a day and of a week God will put it on my heart to just send a text to someone. I don't know why I'm doing it. And there's something on the other side. And that's how I know that's God. That's God. May we all be vessels of honor that are filled with his peace. His peace. Not as the world gives. It's, it's something that is elusive. But he wants us to have it. And the first step is being sensitive and knowing, knowing the causes. And then you, when you see the manifestation, you'll get it. Revelations 12, verses 10 through 12. Revelations 12, 10 through 12. It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, because it happens in heaven before it touches the earth. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Leave that up for a minute. What this text clearly shows us is that before the devil was cast out of heaven, he was accusing us. Accusation. Don't ever get caught up in accusation. So I want you to imagine this. There's someone who you, you are close to and you think they're close to you. But they are influencing you to do things. And when you do it, they accuse you. What would you do 
when you found out that they were going behind your back. You think that you're hanging out, you're having a good time, you're enjoying pleasurable things, and they're accusing you to God. When you find out, would you still be friends with them? That's what the devil does every day. And there are people who are friends with him because they don't know that they're friends with him. I'm, I'm convinced of this, that God doesn't want people to simply go to church. He wants the church to go to the world because the world is lost. And there are people who are still being deceived and beguiled by the very one who's accusing them. How can you call that a friend when everything you do, you're doing together and then they accuse you? That's why Jesus said, before this you've called me master, but now I call you friend. He's a true friend. Go to the next verse. Are you with me so far? And they overcame him. Everyone he was accusing, the, that caused him, God said, you're not going to talk about my children like that. Get out of here. And Jesus said, oh, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. How do we overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your story has power. Your story has power. It's not enough to look good in church. Tell somebody your story. And I tell you what, the one who's forgiven much, loves much. Somebody is in some predicament that God has brought you out of. They need to hear from you. That's how they get hope. It's possible. I can overcome this. I feel lost. But now I feel fine. Found because of the word of your testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. That means they stood for something. They stood for something. You've heard the saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you are open to the beguiler. Who once he beguiles you, he then accuses you. I don't want nothing to do with that dude. On the other side, there's somebody who loves you so much, they lay down their life for you. And most people don't know him and don't care to get to know him because the beguiler has convinced them that what they're feeling is good, what they're doing is good, and all the while, he's accusing them. He's the source of so much anxiety. But when we see him for what he is, he can't do it anymore. Paul said it this way, if anyone can't receive our gospel it's because the God of this world has blinded them has blinded them blessed are your eyes because they see do you want to open blind eyes tell your story give your testimony that's the power God doesn't want us just to go to church he wants the church to go to the world let's go last verse verse 12 Therefore, what is it therefore? Therefore, rejoice. Rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. He's talking to the angels. Is he talking to us? He's not? Is there anybody in this room whose seat is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Is there anybody? Let me see your hand. If you know you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So if you read this text and you don't know what the word says, you say, no, he only talking to the angel. But because of what Jesus did, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's what he's done. Because of what he did, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When I know my position, I'm less likely to be stressed out. I'm less likely to be stressed out because I know in whom I believe. He says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea 
for the devil. I like how John makes it plain. No longer is he talking about the serpent. No longer is he talking. The devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why is he so angry? Because he knows that his time is short. He knows that his time is short. He knows that his time is short. Here's the question. Do you know that his time is short? Do you know? When you know that, it gives you a freedom. Paul said, I reckon that this light affliction that lasts only for a moment is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. See, Paul knew his time was short. But if we're in him, our time is eternal. Why are we we're too blessed to be stressed? He has done something. He's taken away all those things. And I said to the men at the conference yesterday, the body of Christ is like a good marriage. One that will last forever. He is the bride. We are the bride. He is the groom. And one of the first promises that the groom makes to the bride and then the bride to the groom that I'm going to be with you in sickness and in health. I hope you see this. I don't want you to think that if you're in the world and you have, if you have tribulation in the world and you're sick, that he's not with you. He's a, he's a good husband. He's the head of the church. In sickness and in health, he'll leave you. Your earthly mate might leave you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's right there with you. In sickness, you can rejoice because you know he's there. He's right by my side. He's faithful. He's not going to leave you. Not only will he not leave you, he won't forsake you. Because the sacrifice he made was for your sake, for my sake. So I would to God that in the beginning, when you feel yourself, having a disturbance of peace. When you begin to feel anxious, that you would do like me and give thanks. And the sandwich that I made, was making wasn't caviar. It wasn't any, it literally, it was PBJ. But I had two of them. And I said, God, I thank you. God, I thank you because you always provide for me. Why am I worrying about? What I was worried about was something much bigger. But the one who I began to worship was much greater. So it's not about what's on the sandwich. It's about now who is occupying my mind. And when my mind is on him, I was no longer stressed. I was no longer worried. I, I was walking up the stairs giving thanks. I almost dropped the PBJ on the floor because my mind now was occupied by him. Somebody ought to give him praise. He's worthy. Let every anxiety, let every form of depression, let every form of worry, let every form of stress be gone in the name of Jesus. Today, let today be a day of deliverance. Let today be a day of peace, a day of deliverance and peace. I declare today the day of peace. This is a day of peace. The peace of God shall keep your hearts and your mind. Peace, peace, peace. Peace, peace. On the live stream, peace, 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 peace. For every storm that's in your life, 
peace, 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 peace that don't make sense. You don't understand it, but peace, peace. My God, peace, peace, peace in the valley, peace on the mountaintop. today the same peace that Jesus when he got up out of the grave peace be unto you peace that's personal peace be unto you I wish you would minister to your neighbor and say peace somebody needs to hear that peace peace In the name of Jesus, peace. In the one in whom all peace dwells, Jesus, peace. Peace. For every relationship that's broken, peace. For everyone who's, who's been betrayed and accused wrongfully, Peace for everyone who can't seem to make ends meet and you're worrying about the bill collector. Peace. Peace. Mama Masata Kramoka. Peace for everyone. Who has secrets that make you feel ashamed? Peace. Peace. Today we're overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God's come to release you and give you His peace. Peace. Peace for everyone. who is addicted to worrying. It has become habitual. It's chronic. You feel like you've lost control. It has consumed your thoughts to you. Jesus says, peace, peace. He's come to break that addiction. He's come to break it. Peace to every one of you who experiences grief. Sometimes grief, as you heard, that has passed. It hasn't gone anyway, anywhere. It's like a virus. The symptoms are not manifest, but it's still dormant. And you know, viruses have incubation periods. It could be in you, and you don't even know it until it's made manifest. And then it seems to run its course. It seems like it's out of your system, and then it shows up again. He's come to take that out, peace. All those recurrences. God told me to tell you it's twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Peace, peace, peace. Sometimes in the night season, I've had my peace disturbed and I have to go in another part of the house and walk the floor and pray something off of me. Because, of, because I was obedient and told him told you what he told me I hear him saying to you peace be unto you also sleep sweet sleep my son peace 
the peace of God has come. The peace of God has come. The things you worried about, you won't worry about anymore. I see a vision in my Holy Ghost mind of Moses standing at the Red Sea and the children of Israel have the mountains behind them, the Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh coming from the east and the, and the terrain is rough in the west. God knows what we need. He sent an east wind to blow. The direction that the enemy is coming, that's the direction that the wind blows. And when he blows it, it opens up a way. And Moses, who had panicked, was crying out. And the Lord said, why are you crying out to me? What do you have in your hand? Stretch out your rod. There's a heavenly rod that's stretched out over you right now. And Moses said to the people who were fearing for their lives, who saw no way out, he said, Philip, the enemy that you see today, you will see no more. That enemy that's corrupted your mind, you will see no more. I wish you would just take 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and give God a praise. Give God a praise. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.